We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, and I'm going to read it in the J.B. Phillips translation. You find it in yours. But Paul the Apostle was going to an area roughly the same size as St. Louis, a few million people, very cosmopolitan, melting pot in the, uh, the, the Mediterranean 2,000-year-ago scheme of things. And he's, he's pull, walking up to the plate, and he's getting ready to deliver his message. And he says, uh, in chapter 2, verse 1, we'll, we'll start there. And then I want to read verse 2 primarily because I, I'm going to just tell you what my goal is tonight. This was Paul's goal. He said, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. There's pressure on pastors and priests and people in the Easter slot to get really deep theologically. And... Um, Actually, I'm going to spare you the, the awkwardness of, of complexity, and I'm, I'm going to be focused on the essence. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to make it overly simplified, but I'm telling you, Jesus has made himself accessible to people of all ages, and uh, I was standing next to my little granddaughters. One is six, one is just under two, and they just kept pulling me up to the altar. A little child shall lead them. I met a 92-year-old lady today. It was, uh, you know, there's such a contrast there, 90 years difference. And Jesus is available to everybody and all of us in between. And he said, I just didn't want to make up a big fuss with a bunch of uh, sophistication. He said, verse 2, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And in the J.B. Phillips translation, it says it this way, You may as well know, now know that, well, that it was my secret determination to concentrate entirely on Jesus Christ himself uh, and the fact of the de his death on the cross. Paul was saying, I want you to know right up front, my main purpose in communicating with you is it's entirely all about Jesus and I want to concentrate on him. Jesus is the embodiment of the best that there is in life. Jesus' name is above every name, and there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There are, to be sure, amazing philosophies and interesting religions throughout the world, but there's no one like Jesus who came and laid down his life, and even while he was being crucified by the crucifiers, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He suffered and died and gave his life at only 33 years old, so you and I could have a break for eternity. He came to set captives free. Who's glad for that? So I want to go to Colossians chapter 2, which is right by uh, Corinthians. These are the epistles of Paul, the letters to the church. And uh, so, you know, I don't know where you're at in your journey. I, when I, I was not really a Christian growing up. I, I was a secular kid in Southern California, born in Stanford University Hospital in San Francisco, and raised in Southern California, and I got saved in between San Bernardino and Los Angeles when I was 16 years old. And by getting saved, I mean my life got turned around. I didn't join a cult. I didn't drink the Kool-Aid. I didn't get religious. I didn't have to wear matching track suits and go off into the woods with glazed eyes. I came and had an encounter with wide-awake, genuine, authentic, personable, honest people who told me Jesus changed their lives. I knew I needed change. And in that expression of that moment, God turned me from darkness to light. 
I'm so thankful. I just want to preach about him because he's so good. Second, uh, the second chapter of Colossians, now we're going to read verse 8 through 15. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. See to it that while you're surfing the net and you're going down the rabbit hole of so many different opinions, that people don't take you captive with wacky, crazy land. That's what the Greek wording is right here. Wacky, crazy land. God wants to deliver us from that. And he says, see to it. He's telling us to take responsibility so we let us lead a sound and solid quality life. Uh, and he says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. This is a little unclear, so I'm going to read in a paraphrase the New Living Translation in a moment. But he says, In the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. It sounds technical, but I think I could wrap it up better when I read this other translation. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. See, death doesn't have the victory anymore. Then in verse 13, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Who is glad for that? Having, this is what I want to get over to you. This is the theme for tonight. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. Has anyone ever paid off a mortgage? Let me see a show of hands. Wasn't that a relief when you paid off your mortgage? I was visiting a church out of town on their church anniversary, and somebody stepped up and found out the amount that was remaining. It was something like three-quarters of a million dollars, and they wrote a check for the remainder of it. He, he, the pastor announced it to the church. He asked his staff, go get me the, uh, the title uh, or the, uh, the mortgage, and he, said, and he looked at it and he said, I don't want a photocopy. I want the real mortgage because he lit it up on fire and burned it in front of everybody. It was pretty awesome. That's not good for record keeping, but it's good. When you, it's a good example of Jesus taking our sins and burning up the original copy. Come on, man. Praise God. That's good. But see, he canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Tonight, we're going to use the, the, the imagery of that, of Jesus dying on the cross. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Jesus, Paul the Apostle said this about Jesus. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. He said, uh, and it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And then he said in the next verse, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Look at this. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. You may feel unloved. You may be the one that every time they picked teams for the basketball or softball, you were the last one picked. Don't raise your hand. 
that can develop a complex in your life. But let me tell you, in Jesus, the Bible says we are accepted in the beloved. And whom he foreknew, he also did predestine to conform to the image of his son. And that his eyes run to and fro throughout the earth, looking for people whose hearts are his, that he may strongly support them. He's uh, looking at our hearts. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at our hearts. And he who searches the heart, he knows what the plans are, and he knows what his purposes are. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus came on a rescue mission, and he lived a sinless, pure life. He conquered all the temptations, and he was tempted fiercely. The Bible says he was, he was, he was a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness. Listen to this, because he was tempted in all points and in every area as we've been, yet he never, he never caved in, he never succumbed. He never sinned. That's part of what I adore about Jesus. And yet, he took my sins, your sins, our sins, past, present, and future, and, they, and allowed, just like uh, when you take a magnifying glass out in the sunshine and you focus it, and it, it just it, it takes the, the collective light and, and, and concentrates it into this hot, burning moment. Jesus allowed all of the concentration of everyone's sins to bear on his life. He drank that bitter cup. When we, when we take our communion, we realize this is the cup of the covenant of his blood, which is shed for us. On your paper, it says it is finished. That's one of the last things Jesus said on the cross. He said, it is finished. What was finished? He had fulfilled the will of God. He had paid the price and penalty for all of humanity's sins. And he suffered and died for us, and that's why I'm a Christian. That's why I've, I'm a Jesus follower, because what's not to like about someone who comes and gives his life as a ransom for many? And it's just as though it's happening in this moment. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this isn't something from antiquity on, on, on uh, mildew-covered panels of glass. This isn't something that we just sort of blow the dust off and kind of tether ourselves to because of the hopelessness of the world. No. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And when you believe in him, even if you die, you live. I've had so many near-death experiences personally that it's kind of wild. I've had life flash before my eyes on several occasions through my life. And I guess what the scientists say, that's that's when your chemicals are flushing through your brain and you just kind of get a glimpse of everything that's in there. And uh, it lasted, didn't last very long because there wasn't a whole lot in there. But anyway, uh, it was like everything all at once. And, uh, and yet God you know, brought me back again and again and again. I, I, you're, you're looking at somebody who's literally alive from the dead. No, it's amazing, really. And some of you as well. You know, some of you had, you know, somebody may have had an aneurysm or somebody had a heart attack or somebody was in a terrible accident or, you know, there was a diagnosis that they said, basically, get ready to, to die. But, you know, Jesus has kept you alive and he's got you here for a reason. And I reckon that the best is yet to come for each and every one of us because he is so good. He has something to say about our future. He has something to say about where we are going to head up and end up and, and where we're heading. And so... He nailed this to the cross, uh, our debt of sin. I think of my list, it had to be 
300 miles long in fine print, uh, you know, and in a single, uh, spa no, single space, not double space. No, no borders, all the way to the edge, and maybe even on both sides, and maybe 300 more miles. And yet Jesus looks at us and says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I realize I'm preaching to the believer, but we need to be stirred up by way of reminder, don't we? As we've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so we must walk in him. And if you, in case you've never surrendered your life to the Lord, just that you're here indicates to me you're interested and you're probably under conviction. And, in, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to take action, uh, to receive Jesus, to respond to him. A miracle scripture in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if we, you and I, we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So when Lisa was singing uh, about, about speaking, I, I'm speaking in the name of Jesus, there's something uh, embedded in the power and the value of confession. We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible says, not, not Billy Graham, not, not some denomination, not this preacher. The Bible says, you will be saved. I can't add to that and I don't want to subtract from it. It is what it is. It's a miracle. I'm not going to pretend to try to explain it. It's just the way God does things. And if you open up to him and receive him, he'll give you power and the right to become a child of God. And in case you've drifted, I have an example. I went away to a state park I pray at, and uh, I was down by the Illinois River, and I saw a, a, a beautiful, vivid white pelican uh, floating down the Illinois River. And I saw also on the other bank across from me uh, I don't know if it's a flock of pelicans or uh, we saw an owl on the way to church. And if there are more than one owl, then it's, it's a parliament of owls. Did you know that? You could Google all this stuff and become a genius, uh, uh, aviary, aviary genius. And maybe somebody could look up what it is to have a number of pelicans together. Does anybody know? It's a lot of pelicans. So anyway... <laughs> And I prayed that this would work out because it wouldn't have fit in my message if, it, if, if the, he just kept cruising and just left. But actually what he did, he was all alone, way up maybe quarter of a mile when I walked up onto the, to the bank. And so I watched and I watched and I watched. And sure enough, when he, he or she got near the flock or the herd or the crew uh, or the church body, he, he, he took a hard right and joined them. And so all we like sheep have gone astray. But today, maybe you've been a believer, but you've been away. We've had two years of a pandemic. People are concerned about the, the health issues and all that. There's been uh, 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 social distancing. And Jesus has actually mandated that we come together. He says, uh, don't forsake the assembling together, which is the habit of some. And I think that rogue pelican might have been like some of us sort of detached, sort of out there, just kind of paddling along. And then he turns around the bank and he goes, hey, like-minded people. Everybody say birds of a feather. So then there, the, there was a joining. I thought, yes, I'm so glad he didn't swim away because I couldn't, I couldn't share this amazing uh, illustration. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. or Mrs. Pelican. And, and, uh, and I want to just say that connecting, and, 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 and I come to this church every week. I'm going to be here tomorrow at the Easter egg hunt. 
I'm going to be here at the sunrise service. I can't get enough. I'm going to be here at 8, 9.30, 11.15. I, I can't get enough. And uh, so I want to encourage you to just tether into this moment that he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Look at this. And having canceled out the certificate of debt. J.B. Phillips says, Christ has utterly wiped out the damning evidence of broken laws and commandments which uh, always hung over our heads. And here's what it says in the New Living Translation. I'll read from verse 6 to verse 15. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Everybody say continue. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. On your card, remember, offer up thanksgivings. I thank God that Jesus took this from me on the cross and you could write down some of the things you're thankful for, the things you appreciate about him. Thank him that he has, what he has done, that he has done this for you. And, uh, and then also on the bottom, I want, to, I want you to use your faith about things you're believing God for. And I want you to dust off your dreams and I want you to aspire to something bigger than you've up to this point even believed. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your days. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you in trouble. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. But a lot of people say, well, where was God with it? He was right there with you. And, and he's merciful. Well, if God really loved me, why did this happen? It could have been a whole lot worse. Right? See to it that no one takes you captive with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual forces of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. He's going to put a whooping on all these demons before it's all over. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature, the cutting away of your sinful nature, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. How many of you have ever, you'd say, yeah, at times my faith has been pretty doggone high. Let me see your hands. Who in here has ever said, yeah, I, there, I've had some, I believed God and I'm, now, now how many of you it would raise your hand if I asked you to? Everybody raise your hand. Say, I'll take some of that, Lord. And it says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature uh, and that it was not cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. Did you hear that? For he forgave all your sins. He canceled, look at this, he canceled the records of the charge against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. 
In this way, look at this, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So when I started, I, I quoted what Paul said, you may as well now know that it was my secret determination to concentrate entirely on Jesus Christ himself and the fact of the, his death on the cross. No gimmicks, no uh, fads, no pop phrases, no buzzwords. It's simply a person named Jesus who came into this world as a rescuer. He came into this world as a savior. He came into this world as a redeemer, as a healer. You don't believe me? Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Get your Bibles out and spend some time with him. Trust him. You say, in 1973, I had this disappointment and I've never been able to recover from it. Well, it's about time you do. Because God's been merciful to you from 1973 till now. And his mercy endures forever. And his grace is sufficient. So today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. I'm going to call the musicians up now. And we're going to, uh, we're going to do some spiritual battle. We're going to believe God. We're going to cast down fear and intimidation. What we've done is we've set up these crosses and um, as a, a point for you to take those prayers and take those requests. Let me tell you something interesting that happened the last time we did this. The time before the last time. A guy came, a business owner, actually quite prominent, has had a son. He and his wife lost a child at full term prior to that. And I saw them right out there on the sidewalk. It so moved me spiritually. I went there to minister to them, but they came. They ministered to me through their tears. Who does that? In their, in their hurt and their heartache and their loss, they did. And they showed up at church. I hugged both of them. I said, it's just amazing that you're pressing in like you are. Well, she got pregnant again and had a baby. He had a few issues. So when the dad was in line, he, it, we only had two crosses, so it took uh, twice as long as it's going to take tonight. But it gave him a lot of time to pray and think about it. And what his prayer was, was, God, would you please move mightily on my son? Do you know within a few days, all the symptoms and all the issues of that young boy's life got totally healed? And the testimony of that father was by taking that moment and using that, that con point of contact, things turned around for me. Look, there was a lady at the Bible in Mark chapter 5 that heard about Jesus coming by. She had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She had suffered. She tried all the medical techniques, spent all of her money, didn't get better, but actually got worse and was ostracized by society as an untouchable a lot going on psychologically, a lot going on socially, a lot going on physically. She was in, in major uh, anemia and, and drainage and pain. But she heard about Jesus. And she said, you know, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And there wasn't anything particularly magical about the hem of Jesus' garment. Really what Jesus attributed, he said, it wasn't that you touched my garment. What it is, is daughter, your faith has made you whole. And what happened? There, there, there's nothing uh, particularly 
uh, fanciful about taking your, your prayer request and taking a nail and putting it, there's, there's padding on those crosses, so you're not going to have to use your hand as a hammer, although I know a lot of you guys could do that, but uh, it's going to, it's going to, I want you to, when you do, I want you to believe God with, 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 and mix your faith. Believe God for that wayward teenager that might be like that pelican that's separated from everybody else, that they'll find their way back. It might be some sort of cancer cell development that has, has roused itself and you're believing God for a turnaround. He heals cancer. Yes, and he only does wondrous things. And he's faithful. And so what I want you to do now is take your communion elements and I want everybody to please stand up on your feet. In just a few moments, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give all of us an opportunity to get our hearts right, get lined up with the Lord. In case you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. If you've been away from fellowship and you've been out of touch, I want to encourage you to come back. If you've got comorbidities and you've been concerned about COVID, I pray the healing power of God would surround you. Angels would encamp around you. God would add length to your days and years of life and health. And I pray that by Jesus' stripes, you would be healed. If you have a physical symptoms in your body, I want to tell you Jesus can restore the cartilage in your knees. He can soften the tissue in your arteries and, and move the clogs and help you to have a, a life extension. He can help you to remember the name of so-and-so or whoever that was that you've been trying to remember, right? I was being funny then. But he can help you. Look at somebody next to you and say, the Lord is good. Now let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love toward us. I thank you that you suffered and died. And by so doing, you cancel out the certificate of debt that was hostile to us and you took it out of the way and you nailed it to the cross. He took this list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. And when he suffered and died, his, his blood was shed and his body was broken. And on that night when that last supper occurred, he took bread and he blessed it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. And then he took the cup of the covenant. So this is the cup of the covenant of my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're putting into remembrance the Lord's death until he comes. Before you put these elements in, across your lips, I, from your lips, I want you to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Say this with me, Lord Jesus, I believe in your love. I believe that what you did for me is thorough and complete. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it, but I humbly receive it. In Jesus' name, heal me and I'll be healed. Save me and I'll be saved. And God, activate me. Use me to be fruitful, to pray big prayers to dream big dreams, to go out with joy, to be led forth with peace, that the obstacles will break out, that joy will surge, that the United States will be saved, 
that Europe and Asia will be saved, Africa and the Latin world, all the islands, all every people group. There will be a tremendous harvest in my lifetime. We shall see the salvation of the Lord. I receive Jesus as my healer. And I acknowledge Jesus is my Savior and Lord. This wasn't in my notes, but I want to tell you, in Isaiah, he said, I, even I, am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will remember your sins no more. He said, put me in remembrance. Plead or argue your case. State, your, state your, your cause that you may be proved right. Jesus invites us to come in on these legal grounds and say, Lord, it is finished. Jesus paid the penalty for my sins. Devil, you're the accuser. You're the father of lies. And I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You're going to have to get out of my thought life. Get out of my world, tempter. Father, help me to walk in a manner worthy of you. So now, Lord, I pray you will help us as we take these steps of faith. I've, I've left plenty of time in this service. So you guys, like the woman with the issue of blood, with the hemorrhage, can press through the crowd and, and nail those prayer requests on the cross and also your thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for the so many things you've done. How many of you have already filled some of these things out? You can take a pen and you can write up, go up to these crosses. Uh, I don't know how we're going to work this out now. I, I think they're going to just have us just... Uh, uh, I've been out of town for the last few days preparing, so there goes somebody who's taking the initiative, my son. So I'm going to fill mine out now. You guys could be seated, and we're going to get ready to go up to each one of these crosses. As soon as you get yours filled up, just walk forward. If you have to stand there for a little while, the people will hurry with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.